1: Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Daymore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Monday night after the Timberwolves win again, this time over the Indiana Pacers. Final score, Wolves 100, Pacers 98. The Wolves have now won seven of their last eight games. And even after that six-game losing streak at the beginning of the month, the Wolves are now over 500. They're 11-10, which ties them with the Los Angeles Clippers for the five-seed in the Western Conference right now. Past two weeks have been great. There are four teams in the NBA who have won seven games over that stretch. One, the Golden State Warriors, who have the best record in the NBA at 18-2. and The Phoenix Suns are also 7-0 and over the past two weeks. They have the second best record in the NBA this season. They're 17-3. and Then the other 7-0 team these past two weeks is the team who played the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals last year and won the NBA championship. The Milwaukee Bucks were back rolling. And then there's the Minnesota Timberwolves, 7-1 since November 17th. Over that stretch, they have both a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. I mean, they're balling. And, and they're winning games like tonight that, that, felt, that felt like games a year ago where they would just let go of the rope and it sort of just falls apart. They get blown out or they blow a big lead. I mean, obviously, this Wolves team isn't immune to that either. Like that one loss over the past two weeks was the Charlotte game, and that was definitely a let go of the rope game. But the frequency of that energy is undeniably down this year. And that's because I think they're catching themselves more frequently. Rope start slipping. They grab it. And you know, tonight in the game early on when D'Angelo Russell, he, he subbed out his first sub of the game, seven minutes into the game. He came to the bench and he started yelling to his teammates, Charlotte vibes, Charlotte vibes. And he said, what are we going to do about it? And they, they did something about it. You know, when the rope started slipping early in the game tonight, they, they got their stuff together. They realized Cat was being guarded by Malcolm Brogdon. That's a real thing that happened. And they used that matchup to get Cat going in the second quarter. He had 12 points after only scored once in the first quarter. And then again, in the third quarter, rope started slipping. Cat got in foul trouble, and Anthony Edwards grabbed it. Ant was having like a quiet night up to that point, but then he went and grabbed it, and he went off for a little 11-point burst over a few minutes in the third quarter. It was bursts from Cat and Ant that You know, showed up on the stat sheet, but it was also D'Angelo Russell, and he was just a stabilizing presence throughout that whole game. And it, I I think, that stabilization prevented one of those crumblings that the old Wolves would have done from happening. D'Lo again led the starters in plus-minus; he was plus ten. Ant was minus two. Cat was minus thirteen. It's not all D'Lo, but I think. He's become the leader on this team who can best diagnose that sort of slippage and stop it. You know, it was that Charlotte vibe, and then they corrected it. That's how Carl and Three Towns put it after the game. Here's Cat.
2: Carl, last uh, few games in particular seemed like ones that maybe in the past this team wouldn't have had the resolve to kind of grind through and and finish it out. What do you think it says about the growth you guys are doing to be able to to do what you guys did tonight? just great discipline. I thought that, um, we felt that before the game, we, we kind of had that like Charlotte vibe energy, kind of loose, too loose. Um, I think the first half stats prove it. We didn't play to our, our identity and, uh, we came in at halftime and, uh, we turned up, we played the way we know we we're supposed to, um, 41 points in the second half. is nothing to laugh at against a good team. Um, so, you know, we, 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 the difference between this game and Charlotte is that we actually made the turnaround. We actually made the adjustment, turned it up, um, and played the rules basketball. What was giving you guys so many problems offensively in the first half? Were they doing anything defensively? Was it shot making? What, what, what made it, what made it so sluggish? Honestly, for me, uh, from what I was seeing, I, I was very surprised about the zone. <laughs> the zone was very different than what we were prepared for. I think they caught us off guard a little bit. I also think that our energy wasn't matching what it needed to be. Um, we were letting them stay in the game. We weren't playing the way we were supposed to, look a little flat. And, uh, you know, uh, I think I think he did a great job coming on the second half with that energy, that spark, you know, to, you know, commanding the game, you know, and uh, did a much better job in the second half of why we came out with a good win.
1: I think that zone cat was talking about and their ability to adjust to that different look is like the literal basketball equivalent to grabbing the rope. You know tonight you saw an opponent throw another weird defensive plan at cat. They played a lot of zone, but when they played man, they got real funky. They like I said, they put Malcolm Brogdon on them. And this is obviously something we've talked about the whole year where the game plan is frequently putting a a small on cat and then bring in a double team. You know, typically that's like a the small as a power forward. Brogdon's a point guard, but it was, that was the Pacers plan. And it took the Wolves pretty much the full quarter to make that adjustment to the Brogdon thing or make the adjustment to the zone that the Pacers are running. And you'd like to see that be a little bit quicker, but I think that's the difference with this team this year. In past years, when the Wolves would kind of get flummoxed by a funky tweak, it would, You know, it it would take them some time. Sometimes it would take them the whole game to adjust. And I mean, we watched a lot of those games, a lot of those games where they just would never figure it out. But I think by being able to figure out the first punch that the opponent throws at them and dodge it is big, even if it takes the whole first quarter. And I think a lot of it is that the Wolves now have counter punches in terms of firepower. Just kind of by the sheer force of the offensive talent they have in that big three, they can kind of force the opponent to change. Obviously, you got to play smart. Cat can't just barrel through Brogdon or through a zone because, you know, the extra bodies are coming there. But what he can do, what they can do now is they can pass the torch. You think about it like two, three years ago when the opponent had a good plan for Cat, like what or who was he passing the torch to? Wiggins? you know was he he was throwing skip passes to non-shooters like that's all he had but now he's got more legitimate options and obviously two of those are Ant and Delo but those aren't the only options either he he's got other things he can lean on the wolves still aren't a great three-point shooting team but he does have legit shooters to kick it to and then the other thing that he can lean on is the defense you know, Ant can pick up Cat when Cat hits a wall. DeLo can pick him up, but honestly, the most effective way the Wolves pick up Cat when he starts hitting that wall is by playing good defense and turning that defense into offense. It's their best counterpunch. That was interesting. Britt asked D'Angelo Russell about this after the game. He was kind of asking specifically about DeLo's game and how he's leveraging defense into offense. But as DeLo pointed out, like the whole team is kind of leveraging the defense into offense this season. Here's Britton Deal.
2: You're boxing out more this season than you have in previous seasons, it seems. And it seems like this team is using its defense to leverage its offense. Uh, do you feel that way about your own game right now or Are you using your defense to leverage your offense? Yeah, heck yeah. I mean,
3: it makes the game easier for us. You know, we make a run and we're scoring the ball at a, at a high pace offensively, but when we get stops and score and transition, it makes us that much more exciting. And guys don't have to work to get, loose. You know, like, if Cat's running on a, on a def- defensive stop and we're running in transition and he gets a layup, that, that makes him feel better. And gets a dunk and, you know, gets involved with the crowd. It makes, makes guys feel, you know, a little ant. Bees hits a three in transition off a stop, things like that. It just, it carries the game, brings a different energy to the game. And, um, I said last game too, nobody wants to be that guy, you know, to get scored on. And, um, I'm taking pride in it. Um, uh, watched in the playoffs, Teams bring, you know, the worst defender up and attack them all night. You know? Bring me up if you want to. We'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm confident in my, my defensive ability. So,
2: In terms of the evolution of this team's defense this year, I mean, you, you guys were – when Finch came, the defense actually dropped some. You were bottom three for the period of time he was there. Um, you bring in Pat Bev. You have Finch putting in a totally new system in training camp, you and Pat coming in, you know, determined. Did that evolution come together early in your mind or what, what were some of the steps that were most important in this, in this process? It was, it was all a process.
3: It was all a process. New coach, new system, new players. It was a process. Everybody wanted to see it blossom right then and there, but things take time. Um, I mean, we're gifted offensively. So we thought it was going to click right away at the start of the season. And, We saw how, you know, how tough that was for us figuring that out. once we figured things out, we see the product right now. But defensively, we had no identity. So um, when Pat came, he was a vocal, demanding, you know, player. He demanded the best out of guys, demanded guys' energy. And, I mean, how hard is it for you to show up, you know? If you show up, you might as well bring the energy in as simple as that. I think that's where 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 we're having the mislaps, making it harder on ourselves by not having energy to start games or – whatnot, so we just got to continue to stay on it, and I like where we're at.
1: Dilo's whole postgame media was interesting tonight. Yeah, That's already a long clip, so I won't play you more, but I, I thought another interesting thing he brought up, just kind of unprompted, talking about the Wolves' defense was he, he talked about how he learned what a cohesive defense was while he was playing in Golden State, and he talked about the role of Draymond Green and how Draymond was kind of the glue there. He was the cohesion. For the Warriors. Obviously, you know, Dilo isn't the impact player defensively that Draymond is, but what D'Lo talked about was how he can be the this the guy on this Wolves team who communicates like Draymond communicates. Obviously, Draymond's more demonstrative, he's like a visibly loud person, but really what Draymond is doing, what he does best is anticipate. And we often think about anticipation as like an individual thing defensively. You know, jump a passing lane, rotate timely, so on. But the best type of anticipation defensively is when you have your whole team a step ahead. You're reading what they're about to do. And that requires your defense having a player who can read what is happening and communicate it. And I'm I'm with you. This is totally a surprising development for this that to be Delo this season but that it is Delo this season. I mean I'm I'm telling you at these games I, I don't know if you how much you could see or how much of it picks up on TV I don't I don't see it as much when I'm watching the games on TV as I do when I'm there but you hear Delo calling out what the other team is running before they run it. I, I don't know what the deal was tonight but he was he was all over it. Like he was calling everything out. He knew what they were running to tr- with, try and get Brogdon and Sabonis going and he was communicating it to his teammates on the back line. Indiana likes to run what is called a stack pick and roll and kind of the whole reason a stack pick and roll works is because the second screen catches the defender off guard who's already scrambling from the first screen and it opens up the back side. But if you know that second screen is coming, the whole play can kind of be walled off defensively and then the offense has to like kick it out and run something else. Amongst other calls in the game Delo was all over calling out that stack pick and roll tonight and i don't know i mean it's those things make a big difference he's making a big difference and and it's a difference he's making with his mind like the physical limitations are always going to be there for Delo defensively but by by thinking a step ahead you don't as frequently have to put yourself in situations for those limitations to be exposed So, you know, just kudos, I guess, to Dilo on that. Like, he's making a defensive difference this season, and that's something, you know, I don't think any of us really expected this year. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with some other notes from tonight's game. Today's show was brought to you by TickPick. Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Wolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all MBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their MBA tickets. If you can find better prices for the same seats on any other ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. I heard from a handful of fans who use TickPick to purchase their tickets to the Wolves opener after hearing about it on the pod, and they found the experience to be both easier and more affordable than previous ticket sites they had been using. The Wolves do play seven of their first eight games at Target Center, and TickPick has you covered for all of those games. It was a blast to see fans at the opener matching the Wolves' energy on the floor on Wednesday night, And I look forward to more of that to come. Again, visit TickPick.com slash Dane Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, we are back talking about the Timberwolves two-point win over the Indiana Pacers on Monday night. And the story tonight coming into the game was the Wolves not having both Jaden McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt who were both out with the flu. Obviously, their absence is an addition to Patrick Beverly who missed his third straight game tonight with a groin injury that's bugging him. So, you're coming in this game, you're out three rotation bodies. That means that Other rotation guys or non-rotation guys are just going to have to play. And you're specifically out defenders, probably this team's three best defenders. So it was interesting. In place of Beverly, Finch again went with Leandro Balmaro, who played 15 minutes tonight. As Finch said after the game, you know, his job was just to play defense, provide a little bit of organization as the point guard of the offense when he's out there. And then the other kind of adjustment was Nas Reed. I mean, Nas is always in the rotation, but tonight, no Vanderbilt. He also played alongside Cat, and that kind of filled up at least a chunk of the power forward minutes that, you know, Vanderbilt's absence created. Overall, Nas, Nas played 23 minutes. He was a team high plus 20, I believe it was. Yep, plus 20 on the night for Nas. And 16 of those minutes were his Cat's backup, and then he played seven minutes alongside Cat. I think, I think it was the first time this season, I mean, I'd have to go through game by game, but... I'm pretty sure it was the first time this season that the Cat and Nas minutes together in a single game had a positive differential. I looked it up like those two were a minus 27 in 37 minutes on the floor of the season coming into tonight. And tonight, they won their minutes. They were a plus five in those seven minutes that those two shared the floor. It was obviously you know, size that this team critically needed tonight without Vanderbilt. I mean, they didn't exactly keep Indiana off the glass. DeMontis Sabonis had 25 rebounds and probably, you know, drew another four fouls going for offensive rebounds. But overall, as someone who who does believe in the cat and Nas pairing, believes it can work. I, I think it was an encouraging night for the duo playing not just opposite each other, but together. The guy though who who really stepped up in the absence of Vanderbilt and McDaniels and Beverly was Josh Kogi. So tonight Josh Kogi is going to be our forgotten star of the game. Brought to you by Forgotten Star Brewery. Uh, over this run where the Wolves are 7-1 and over the last eight games, like, Kogi hasn't been playing. He only played in one of those eight games, or I guess one of the seven games coming in into tonight, and that was just 12 minutes in the Charlotte game. He, he, was, he was struggling uh, with the back spasms that were keeping him out. I think it was for four of those games. And then once he was back healthy, he was pretty much out of the rotation altogether. But tonight, Okogi started in Vanderbilt's place and he kind of you know, he he didn't just take the role of Vanderbilt, he kind of took on some of the role of Vando, some of the role of McDaniels, and some of the role of Beverly. Like Akogi was the starting power forward, but he mostly guarded Malcolm Brogdon. And Akogi was really the only guy on the Wolves' entire roster who could provide any resistance on Brogdon tonight. Brought when Balmara was on him, Brogdon was just bull rushing Balmaro to the rim. And D'Lo got switched on to him a couple times, and in that individual like matchup. He couldn't handle that. I mean, Akogi was just sturdy enough to check Brogdon, who's a big, strong guard. And that was just particularly big down the stretch of the game. Like the defining play of the game tonight was a possession where Karis Levert came and set a screen for Brogdon, who was being guarded by Akogi. Ant was guarding Levert. So Akogi and Ant switched it. You know, shout out to Ant. He walled off Brogdon. There who on the switch immediately tried to attack Ant and side note, like when Ant is guarding in straight isolation, no screen like kid can guard like he is hard to get by and he's strong and sturdy himself. Uh, So that was a big part of that play where Ant walls off Brogdon, forcing Brogdon to swing it to Levert, who's now being guarded by a Kogi. Levert tried to attack a Kogi. There's like 40 seconds left in the game. And Josh just he, he made a hell of a play. He caught up to Levert, and he not only blocked the shot, but he like threw it. It was, well, as as Cat put it after the game, it was it was it was a play of the game that they, they needed to win. Here's Cat on that final play.
2: He made a uh, Josh made a, a huge impact. I mean, if you really want to think about it, he won us the game. That block was huge. That block gave us the whole game and gave us a chance to really put it away. And um, without that block, I don't know who win this game.
1: It's just encouraging for this team that they have had these times, whether it was injury or just Finch going with someone else in the rotation, where it's it's just big to be able to reach down into that bench and, and get some decent minutes. To pull out a guy like Bomaro who hadn't been playing at all and give at least okay minutes. Same thing kind of happened with Torian Prince a couple weeks ago. You know He'd, he'd be a DMP for a few games and then you know, you pull him out and he's able to give you something. And tonight it was the same with Akogi. He he really is a pretty good plug for a combo of Vanderbilt, McDaniels, Beverly. Like, he plugged that hole. So for that reason, tonight, Akogi was the forgotten star of the game. Uh, as always, I encourage you to go check out Forgotten Star Brewery in Fridley. It's where we did that live show this summer on uh, draft lottery night. Speaking of, we might have something brewing along those lines in terms of a Watch party get together thing there at Forgotten Star at some point this winter. I'll keep you guys all updated on that. But in the meantime, check out Forgotten Star's tap room in Fridley next time you're looking for a brewery. All right, we'll wrap tonight like we do uh, with my prize picks for, for the game. I only got one wrong, two, one, and one on the night. The first one I got right was the over on 18 and a half points for DLO. You know, there wasn't really like a schematic or matchup thing that made me roll with this one. It's just like deals deals locked in right now. I I don't know how much this really like pops, and I I can't even really put my finger on it, but just watching D'Lo on the bench, he's just kind of got that I'm not going to let us lose vibe. It seems to really matter to him. He seems comfortable, and I just think he's a – He's a 20-a-night guy for the Wolves right now. He finished tonight with 21 points, eight rebounds, and 11 assists. Again, had the best plus-minus of all the starters. I also got the over on 21.5 points for Cat. Uh, even if uh, Miles Turner played in this game, which he didn't, he was out with the flu himself. I I, I felt confident that Cat would be able to get his tonight. You know, Turner's a hell of a player, hell of a defender, but Cat but has kind of always had Turner's number for one reason or, no, or another. And then... You know, with no Turner tonight, it 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 did take Cat a little while to figure out the Brogdon thing, figure out the zone. But he eventually broke that zone. He got it going, uh, despite fouling out, having his minutes limited again. Cat uh, finished with 32 points. I also took the over on nine and a half rebounds for Cat. Thought that was kind of a gimme. Novando thought he'd grab a couple more, but turns out Sabonis just grabbed all of the rebounds. So that was that was two and one on those. And then I took the over on five assists. For Malcolm Brogdon, I thought Brogdon would kind of pick apart the Wolves' defense with pick and roll, but Brogdon really did his damage as a scorer tonight. He finished with 25 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists, so I pushed on the assists bet. Overall, that's 2-1-1 one, one on the night, brings me to 37-38-3 and three on the season, close, close to 500. Uh, for those of you who are playing, thank you for playing. Keep signing up, keep playing, prize picks with me, get your friends to do it if you're enjoying it. I'll create a little competition or something. If you haven't signed up, or if your friends haven't signed up, make sure they use the promo code Dane when they do sign up. That gets them an extra hundred dollars and a sign up bonus in the account when they create it, and it keeps Prize Picks supporting the show, which I appreciate. Again, Prize Picks app, download it. Promo code Dane. That's about all I got for you tonight. Um, well, I guess, I guess I can also report that uh, Anthony Edwards has a flip phone. His phone rang during his post game media, and he unflipped it, answered his phone. He is, yeah, what a guy. Uh, the other thing I'll say with Ant too, I just thinking about this post game press conference is that when we talked to him a little bit about it, um, it's just it's just clear. And if, you, if you've been at Target Center for a game this year, it is so clear that he feeds off the crowd like more than any player I've ever seen since I've been covering this team going to the games. You know, if it's a Friday night and Target Center's hype, like so is he. It it makes a difference. I don't know. It's just been it's been cool to have fans back at Target Center this season, and it's fun to be there when you see the crowd and player kind of working together. I've honestly i've I've never really seen that at Target Center. You know, they're just I don't, there hasn't been a lot to cheer about at Target Center over the years, but there hasn't really been a connection to the player and a connection from the player to the fans. So keep coming out to Target Center. Makes it it makes it more fun for me, <laughs> but also I think makes a difference for uh, Anthony Edwards. And keep listening to the pod. Uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, know that Britt and I will again be recording um, Tuesday afternoon. So look for a Britt pod in your feed Tuesday night. That'll lead us up to Wednesday's game in Washington, D.C., It's Wolves-Wizards on Wednesday, and then Wolves-Nets on Friday. Important little two-game road trip before another three-game homestand next week. We'll keep talking about all of it here, and I will talk to you tomorrow at length with uh, Britt Robson. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace
2: out.